0: Assalamu my name is Salim Qasim and I'm the Chief Editor of The Muslim Vibe and your host for this week's podcast. This week I'm joined by Lisa Vogel. Lisa is the co-founder of Verona Collection, a modest fashion brand now sold at Macy's. We're going to be talking about Verona, entrepreneurship and modest fashion. As well as that, we're going to discuss Lisa's personal journey being a single mother and a survivor of domestic abuse. Before we get underway, a quick word from our sponsor, Wahid Invest.
1: Wahed helps you become a halal investor in minutes. Clients from over 40 states have already started their journey with us. Here's how it works. First, we ask you 8 simple questions to recommend a portfolio based on your risk profile. You then select your portfolio and simply sign up online. Your account can be approved in seconds. After you fund your account, we'll place the trades for you. All you have to do then is sit back and monitor your performance. It actually is that easy.
0: Assalamu alaikum Lisa, how are you doing? You okay? Good, alhamdulillah,
2: how are
0: you? Very good. Thank you for joining us. Um so jumping right in, uh, Verona Collection is, is, is a is a modest fashion brand that's been around for quite a few years now. Um yes. can you tell me a little bit more about where the idea came from and, and how that all happened?
2: Yeah, sure. So I yeah. Um. You know, I I I became a, a fashion photographer, and I started uh, just after I took my shahada in 2011. And so I I decided to give up. You know, going after mainstream fashion photography because I didn't feel like it really like coincided with my newfound beliefs. Um. And I I worked along. You know, within the modest fashion industry for a few years. Um. I then got married and had babies, and I could no longer, you know, travel like I was before, and I really wanted to stay within the field, Um, and it was something that was a passion of mine to always design and and create, so I decided to um, pair up with Ella Moose and we launched Verona Collection in 2015, Um, but really, it came from the need of the lack of modest clothing because, like, it was always difficult for me to find everything that I was looking for. And I knew that millions of other Muslim women living in the West would have the same issue.
0: So uh, you mentioned obviously the fact that you converted to Islam as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And are you saying that that was a a, a key factor in, in launching the brand?
2: I mean, it was a part of it because, um, you know, like uh, I would say just joining in on the modest fashion industry as a whole is what really geared me towards, you know, after I took my Shahada, because when I entered, um, you know, I went to college, got a business degree, but then I realized it wasn't happy and I wanted to work in the creative field. So I went to photography school, I had a, a goal in mind to work in the fashion industry Um, and obviously I didn't even realize that modest fashion was a thing. Um, I, this was at the time when I didn't even know anything about Islam though. But when I discovered Islam, I realized that I wasn't going to be happy going towards mainstream fashion and it wasn't going to be, you know, I wasn't going to feel good in my heart going for that. So that's when I got into the modest fashion industry.
0: That's really cool. And uh, was it a big, um, I guess because we're talking about modest fashion and everything else. Also, just from a personal perspective, was it a big adjustment or shift in your life going from wearing, you know, whatever you wanted to suddenly having to to be very selective in the way that you dress and covering up?
2: like, thankfully, even, like, Islam as a whole, like, it wasn't that much of an adjustment for me. Like, I didn't drink, I didn't eat pork, so I was already, like, doing half of the things. And I actually (laughs) already slightly dressed... um, kind of modestly I already wore pants um so the biggest thing were like the tops trying to find tops that were you know looser and that covered all the way down to the wrist um so that was you know a little bit of a challenge finding um and then of course and I started wearing the scarf uh part time before I took my shahada because I knew I was going to become Muslim and I wanted to like um prepare myself and get myself ready to really try to follow everything yeah. as best as i could and h- so. how
0: did how did people around you take that
2: um you know the first time i walked into school with my hijab on it was really really nerve wracking. can
0: i ask also sorry just quickly when, yeah, you, no. when you say part-time i i imagine like one of those convertible like half on half off what well, was <laughs> no, it like no, a full full on like,
2: like I wore, wa- I literally I wore it during the day, and then I would like uh, wear it, at, like take it off for work. And this is before I actually took my shahada. Mm-hmm. You know, after I became Muslim, then I wore it full time, and I like meaning like I was truly a hijabi where no one sees my hair. Um, but I actually started wearing the hijab before I took my shahada.
0: That's awesome, and um, yeah, I, I it's with with the hijab. Just out of curiosity. Do you see it as a as an identity piece like is it a thing that that says that this is what i am i'm muslim or is it more about preserving your modesty and all that kind of stuff both
2: for me both you know like if i had taken my shahada and i didn't put on a hijab no one would be recognizing me as muslim or Hmm. even like you know try to think that i could be muslim for so for me I wear it with pride. That it's the one identity piece of identity where people know everywhere I walk, they know I'm Muslim, and I'm gonna be proud to wear it. So I take a lot of pride when I put it on. Um, But it's of course for both. You know, I wear it for Allah. I'm not married. I'm not here because my husband told me to wear it. You know, I'm wearing it because I believe in it and what it stands for.
0: Yeah, and coming back to to Verona itself, um, as an entrepreneur. Um, it's, it's, I'm assuming quite a a scary ride and quite a scary journey, you know, plunging in with a, with a modest fashion brand and in, you know, you wanted to get into fashion, but you were a photographer beforehand. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people love to see all the positives, but I'm, I'm a bit curious about, about the the failures that you might've had along the way. And, And did you struggle? Did you fail? Um, and how did you kind of bounce back from that?
2: You mean as far as working with a business? Yeah,
0: and, as far as lo- yeah. lo- getting a business off the ground.
2: There's failures every day, every day, and even being you know where we are in Macy's, hamdulillah. There's failures every day. And a part of running a business is learning how to burn out fires, you know, and just keep going and learning how to solve problems and move on to the next. It is not easy running a business. It's certainly not easy starting a business. So there are roadblocks all the time.
0: And um, okay, we've spoken about the negative. Now, now the positive. We've mentioned Macy's. Um, How how does a collaboration or how does something like that come together?
2: I mean, I, I like to say it was, it was straight from Allah. I saw, it, you know, just like the pieces just came together. Um, so when we opened up Verona, we had a goal in mind to be the first Islamic fashion brand, modest fashion brand in a major department store. That obviously is like a huge task um, in itself to be any fashion brand, let alone, you know, an Islamic fashion brand. But we, we knew that we had to be successful on our own. And, um, we had to, uh, you know, have our own customer base and grow, you know, ourselves. So we, we had a goal in mind. We're like, let's become successful, a successful business, which we feel we did handle that. When we realized we were ready to start approaching, um, we looked around to try to see how we can get in contact with major retailers. We found the workshop at Macy's, um, which is a week long program for women and minority owned businesses. Mm -hmm. It's a very competitive process they get into. And we got in, um, we were only, you know, I'm not allowed to say how many applicants applied, but it's not a small number. Um, but they only selected eight companies. Um, we were one of them during the week long program. We um, had the opportunity to sell right at Herald square um, in New York city, their flagship store. Um, and we sold the product right in front of the buyers, um, and they saw the need for modest clothing. And from there, the conversation started. And one year later, we launched with them on Macy's.com.
0: It's incredible. And with regards yeah. to the, the notion of Islamic or modest fashion, do do you think it's entering the mainstream now, or will it ever become? Will, will Islamic fashion be known in the mainstream as okay, that's modest wear? How, like, how do you see that I mean, relationship yeah, it's developing? For sure,
2: it is a huge growing market, and it's not going away. It, the, the expected numbers of the modest fashion industry, I think within just two years is going to be, you know, upwards of $500 billion worldwide. Um, and it's a growing market and it's not going away. So, you know, right now we see a lot of it in the news that new companies are entering into this, um, you know, into the segment, but you're only going to see it more and more.
0: And how do you feel about mainstream brands, um, entering that space?
2: You know, obviously, like, you know, we can look at the negatives as to why they're doing it, you know, purely, you know, some might just be doing it purely for financial gain. Some might be doing it for both financial and, you know, the social mission behind it. Mm -hmm. But I see it as a positive all around, you know, regardless of what their motives are.
0: I I can ask how or why.
2: Why is it positive? I mean, because like if you if you see, you know, in a day and age where, you know, Their stereotypes surrounding Muslim women. Mm. When these companies choose to represent Muslim women on a major platform, they're representing us in a positive way. So, you know, as strong women, as independent women, as, you know, someone's choosing to wear this. So uh, for me, that can only result in positive, um, you know, uh, feedback that we can get when they choose to represent us on a major scale
0: but i think okay you're right in, in one reg- in, in the in the regard of representation but i mm-hmm. feel like when when Nike, for example make a, a headscarf that women can wear for sports there mm-hmm. are there are five ten probably dozens and hundreds of companies muslim owned brands that are providing a similar product for muslims for um, sure. yeah. who, who are being completely turfed out the market
2: well, I think that comes down to the Muslim community. Are they going to support, you know, Muslim businesses? You know, that's their choice. You know, so. Um, but as far as Nike choosing to represent Muslim women, I see that as a positive. You know.
0: Okay, fair enough. And um, yeah. I also wanted to briefly talk to you about modest fashion um, as a as a concept. So I think um, you know, amongst more conservative circles, there's mm-hmm. this debate around. Okay, if you're if you're going to be modeling clothes or whatever um that kind of is is counterintuitive towards modesty because you're essentially essentially flaunting the physique of a woman or whatever else and and having a picture up of yourself wearing a nice outfit Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily fit in line with like a more traditional understanding of what's appropriate um how, how would you reconcile that
2: I come down to balance you know what i mean like if women so sometimes could could potentially take it too far that's not my area to judge Mm. you know i can only control on how we represent you know our brand and what we do um you know you're you do things with the best of intentions obviously you have a product to sell but then you have you have your morals so are are
0: there sorry are, are there like internal guidelines with with your own company then as to what's appropriate what isn't
2: Yeah, we, you know, I also, one, I make sure the model's comfortable. You know, is this, are you comfortable wearing X, Y, and Z? You know, and then we also, you know, take into account, you know, is this modest enough? When I look back at my journey, and I look and how I started hijab, if someone came to me and said, no, this is not appropriate hijab, you need to be wearing only black kabayas, I don't think I would have even started hijab. We have to look at things as a progression mm. and, you know, not make everything so black and white. We have to balance things out and allow women the opportunity to grow with her hijab. If she chooses, I want to make it very clear. You know, we focus so much around what women wear, but we stop, we, we take, we need to take the conversation as, you know, is this her choice and is she wearing it because she chooses to, because if we talk about hijab as a force method and we talk, you know, are so the conversations always about what women wear you know they 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 end up going the other direction so we have to make it into a way where there's steps of how you know of different levels of modesty
0: okay fair enough um and with um with regards to you know you're talking about young women and choosing what they wear and whatever else uh how big a role do you think influencers have to play in that because I think, um, and this is something that I, you know, we were doing in the office, um, we, were, we were trying to come up with a, a list of, of influential Muslims from, from different spheres, and we were looking at like the religious sphere, for example, and we had a bunch of sheikhs and a bunch of imams, and we, you know, the list as long as your arm. But then when we're looking at, at female speakers or female you know, religious authorities, especially in the West, I think we, we, the list, I, I, I can't name that many, unfortunately. And that's probably my own sort of shortcoming. But and, and you know, you, you spoke about how we, we talk a lot about what women wear and, and there's always a focus on that. But I feel like if we look at the the Muslim influencer sphere, the mm-hmm. majority of women in that space, I feel, um, are are the 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 hijabi fashionistas, the makeup artists, the you know, the influencers who are who are doing all of that stuff on a regular basis, the outfit of the days and all of that. But mm-hmm. we don't have any kind of role models that offer anything else. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's not, and, and this is the thing, there's always this conversation around Muslim men talking about women and talking about what women should wear. Um, and I mm-hmm. appreciate that, that there is an issue there that needs to be addressed.
2: Yeah, wholeheartedly, yeah.
0: But then at the same time, I would ask the question whether enough is being done on the other side and if, if there are if there's enough of a voice that's not talking you know from from a female perspective that's not talking about what you're wearing and how you're looking and what your makeup's looking like and all of that kind of stuff does that make there's sense there's
2: tons of there's tons of muslim women out there that are like you know, representing themselves as doctors, as lawyers, as engineers, as fitness coaches, as teachers, Mm. you know, like a lot of times the men just, you know, will choose to see that there's only X, Y, and Z out there, but there are a lot of beauty vloggers out there who may be sharing their craft and creativity that have positive influence as well. So, you know, they, There are plenty of women out there that, you know, may be doing X, Y, and Z, which doesn't necessarily make it a bad thing. Mm. Like, I find it great that there are many women thriving off of hijab tutorials and makeup. I see it as a craft and a creativity. And I think what they're doing is awesome. Um, and a lot of them do speak out against injustices, you know, against Muslim women or talk about positive things in that community. So um, and my opinion is, is that men shouldn't be following them <laughs> if they have an issue with it. That's what I think.
0: Everything so, I said was from what I've heard. I haven't actually seen it. Yeah, of I stuff. think, you know, it always gets me if a man wants to
2: comment on a woman's not hijab not being proper. You know, I'm like, why are you following that woman? yeah that's the bigger question you know so um they they never it's never put back on the other side
0: fair enough and I I think finally on the business side I just wanted to ask um what advice you would give either yourself or, or someone younger who wants to start out in the in the modest fashion industry or just as an entrepreneur generally
2: One, you got to take your time and you got to get your brand set. And, you know, you have to really know your customer. Like, do you know your product and your customer to a T? You know, thankfully, before I entered and opened up Verona with Allah, you know, I had already been working in the fashion industry. So has she. So we knew our customer. So that was first and foremost. So in any industry, you have to know who you're selling to. Um, and then two, you have to, you know, have to get your brand name, your logo, your logistics, how are you shipping, your product, you, you know, do you have quality control in place? And take a good six to nine months to really get your brand down and then you launch. So, but you also have to know that there's always challenges and you have to be willing to work through it and put in the hard work. I get lots of messages and requests, can you help me in X, Y, and Z? And I, you can tell, From someone who has already done the work versus someone who wants a a golden plate handed over to them. And it doesn't work like that. You have to be willing to put in the hard work every single day.
0: And I guess finally, what's been uh, the most rewarding thing from this experience? Not not necessarily a tangible outcome, but just generally, what have you enjoyed the most about the whole entrepreneurial journey?
2: Um, You know, it's being able to do what I love you know you like thankfully my mom always pushed me you know growing up to really like go after my dreams and you know do what i love and you know i work day and night and i mean constantly like my phone's always going off i'm constantly traveling i'm always on meetings but at the end of the day like i love it because i'm in an industry and doing something i love
0: that's awesome um I, I, you know, I, I mentioned to you before the second half of this uh, conversation, I wanted to discuss the more personal side of things, um, mm-hmm. in your life. And, uh, maybe you can start by just kind of telling me and the listeners about, about the Facebook post, um, that you put out a few months back, mm-hmm. um, and, and why you did that. So,
2: um, you know, I came out with, I am a divorced woman, I'm a single mother, um, And I came out with why I divorced, and that was due to domestic violence. So um, I had been thinking about going public with that for a long time. And when I decided to go public with it, um, I felt it was my responsibility to. It wasn't just my right to speak out against it. I felt it was my responsibility.
0: Why did you say that?
2: Because, like, alhamdulillah, like, you know, I don't have this huge platform, but I have a platform, you know, and um, I knew that it would help women that were in my situation and to know that there's a way out. Um, We don't talk about it in this community, and that's a problem, and that needs to change drastically, and it needs to change now. Um, And so I thought long and hard about all the consequences about, you know what I could receive even from my ex, you know, him, the minute he was going to find out he was going to go after me. So I thought about all of those things, but I didn't care because to me it needed to be done.
0: And what what was the response like?
2: (sighs) I was, I had no, so I only posted on my personal page. Like I didn't post it on Verona. I didn't post it on like some big platform, you know? Um, I had no idea how many, like, how much it would get shared. It was from my personal. I got shared like 4,000 times. Um, I got inundated with messages.
0: Mm.
2: I actually don't even think I finished all the messages. I tried. But, you know, I'm I'm very busy, you know, running a company. And um, there are so many women that are in it right now. They're like, I've been trying to leave. I've gone to the Imams. They're not doing anything. You know, like, what do I do? Like, how do I get out of this? Like, there are women that... You know, and I've said this constantly, like our religion does not tell does not tell people who are suffering oppression to keep enduring it. Our religion talks about fighting against oppression. Why is the why is this a different case when it comes to women that are dealing with abuse?
0: Mm.
2: We are supposed to be standing up against oppression. You don't tell women to continue it, uh, you know, in the abusive relationship and stay patient. Why is that the conversation? Because we always stand, we're always taught to stand up against oppression, and that's what we need to do. We are supposed to be the brothers in the community are supposed to be protecting our sisters, and that's what needs to happen.
0: And from from your own experience, did you did you face any of that?
2: Yeah, I did. I was told, you know, um, and not that. And I want to make sure I don't downplay emotional abuse. Emotional abuse is very serious and doesn't get talked about enough. Um, but mine was very emotional and very, very, very physical. Strangling, beating, slapping, knocking me out. And they told my ex husband to read more Quran. Like, that can't happen anymore. The the woman needs to be removed from that situation and she needs to stay safe.
0: Is that seriously what, what, what they said?
2: Yeah. You know, not the imam like uh one imam, you know, was, you know, God bless his heart. He had such a pure heart, but you don't tell you don't tell women to say, keep saying it and like um, they you know they told me to stay patient. You know some of the, the very few people that did know about it, I kept it from my entire family. The very few people that did know about it to, recommended that he read more Quran.
0: Can I ask also just to, to get a better understanding, why did you not tell anyone in your family at the time?
2: What people, the, the one thing that people need to understand about abuse is one, and I'm not saying you did it just so for anybody listening is don't ever ask why didn't you leave. You don't, people don't understand the amount of mental control that they take over you. They completely brainwash you Mm -hmm. to the point where you don't think you're even capable of taking care of yourself. I, for me, I was personally scared because you're thinking, you're like, I love this man. I don't want my family broken up. And for me, I'm like, I'm a convert, and I'm going to go to my family and say, a brown Muslim man has been beating me. What does that do? It reiterates the stereotype. That was my fear of coming out as a white convert, you know? But the fact of the matter is, like, statistically, there's no difference between a Muslim, Christian, atheist, on the amount of abuse that happens towards women, at least in America, the statistics is one in one in three women have suffered. And it does not matter your age, your ethnicity, your religion, you know, your socioeconomic status. None of that matters. Um, in the statistics, um, it happens in every, you know, area. Um, but for me, that was my concern that I was going to reiterate a stereotype. That was one. And two, I knew if I told my family that they would never forgive him because naturally, like Mm. who would allow you to stay with that person so i kept thinking i want him to change i want him to get better i just want my family to be together and so you always have this hope that they're going to change but the fact of the matter is you know very few do and um you have to remove yourself from the situation and i'm not out here saying everyone get divorced that is not what i'm saying i'm saying the woman needs to be removed from the situation so she can be safe
1: Mm. and
2: he needs to get help um, and if he changes, alhamdulillah, that's amazing for me, that wasn't the case. I removed my, I finally left, um, one day and, um, I waited till he went to work and I got, you know, my child was five months old. I had just suffered a miscarriage because he was beating me during pregnancy. Um, I had a five month old who, I think, I think my youngest was five months old around that age. Um, and then a year old and I got the baby's in the car. My business partner helped me pack up. And I drove from Dallas to Florida over the course of three days. And then I finally got to Florida. And I said, I will give you one year to get help and change. And if you don't change, I'm going to divorce you. So in my heart, I'm like, I gave that man every opportunity to mm. change um, and get help, which is actually even Islamic. It, it says there should be a cooling off period.
0: Mm. And
2: I gave him a full year um, to get help, but wasn't
0: enough and, and for, for people I guess that might f- find themselves in a in a similar relationship or think that their relationship might be going down a certain path um was it something that you identified very early on in your relationship or was it gradual was it sudden how, how do you
2: I didn't notice before the marriage um you know and one thing that I will not do again is have such a quick engagement we got married very fast because mm. I thought um
0: how fast is very fast if you don't mind me asking?
2: Like within a month. Oh
0: wow. Um,
2: and I thought, I thought, I, I because I looked for everything. He made all his prayers. He did his sunnas. He gave khutbas in the masjid. You know, he had a beard. He wore he wore a soap. He like gave dawa on the street. You know, everything that you think that a Muslim woman should be looking for is what I was looking for, mm-hmm. and that's what he was but is but the but we forget to talk about character we always we talk about does he pray and does he do this that's great alhamdulillah that's what should be happening Mm -hmm. well how is his character is he quick to be angry is he patient does does he believe in does he see you as an equal does he or does he see you as subservient You know, does he see you as your, you know, better half and wanting to walk to Jenna together? And, you know, um, does he see those, the beautiful things and treat people with kindness and respect? We don't talk about that or, you know, put that much focus on those things. Had I been more in tune to, you know, seeing is he quick to be angry and taking more time um, to get to know him and his heart Mm -hmm. and as a person? No, I would have dodged a huge bullet, but love for everything because they have two beautiful boys out of it um but the abuse uh this is this is how it works because this is you know what abusers do and how they suck you in and not being able to leave it 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 starts out slowly and it slowly gets worse and it slowly gets worse and it slowly gets worse and then you know each and every time they're sorry mm. they get you to forgive they'll never do it again and then it becomes a pattern
0: I guess also with that slow approach as well, you end up kind of rationalizing each step, right? Yeah. Because it's just a little and, bit more every time and you think, oh, that's normal.
2: And he's crying. He feels so sorry. You know, he can't believe he did this. You know, um, you know they, they, they pull on you and you know they, they make you believe it will never happen. Even yeah. though in your mind, you know it's probably going to happen the next week. But But because they do it slowly, they break you down more and more. Until you're so weak, mentally where you feel nothing left inside of you it's so hard to leave so hard to leave
0: and uh, w- more generally now w- what are your thoughts on on you've mentioned already that you know we don't talk about it but have you come across any groups that do discuss it's obviously since since going public with your story I'm sure a lot of people have come forward and approached yeah. you and whatever else but what are your thoughts on on um, our community's attitudes and responses um, to taboo issues like this, single parenthood you know, divorce we as well. To,
2: like Alhamdulillah, like I, I just spoke at a um, at a charity Wafa house in Jersey. You know they're a wonderful organization, and Nisa Homes in uh, Canada, they're an amazing organization that are fighting against domestic violence. Yeah. Um, where we need to see a huge step up is from the men, because it's it's different when another man goes to other men and say, "Do not touch her." Do not do this. You know, Mm -hmm. we, that's what we need to see. I truly believe we need the brothers to be standing up against this. The women should not be sitting up here and having to fight this battle alone. The men need to be joining in on this battle.
0: Are they not currently?
2: I see it some, but I don't, it's not enough. It's really not enough.
0: Okay. Fair enough. I mean, it's interesting actually on, on this particular strand talking about taboos. Um, we've we've recently started a documentary series uh sort of 15-minute documentaries we did one on um dealing with suicide and suicidal thoughts one on drug abuse and the last one was on child sexual abuse um and and again within that we were able to kind of speak to imams and counselors and and i remember on the the i think the drug abuse or the suicide episode we actually said to the imam why are more people not coming forward to you and why they're yeah. not getting help from within our centers and i yeah. think you're right that i, I believe anyway that our, our institutions and establishments need to be better equipped to deal with this stuff
1: mm-hmm. where
0: where the imam isn't the one-stop shop for everything yeah so if you need to see a psychologist or you, know, you need
2: to talk about mental health we, it's not it,
0: exactly no but even not, even with things like abuse yeah. i think that you know there's a
2: mental illness going on there
0: and, and often yeah. often our moms just won't be clinically trained. And that's not, exactly. that's not you know, devaluing them in any way. Exactly. But that's yeah. where we need a support structure in place, right? To actually help couples and individuals going through whatever issues they're going through mm-hmm. to, to come out the other end. Otherwise, we're just going to get that bad advice. And it's not the first time I've heard something like that. Um,
2: it just gets swept under the rug, you know, these major issues, because no one wants to talk about it. It's not fun to talk about, Yeah. you know. Like, no one wants to, you know, necessarily tackle these huge issues, you know, head on, but we need to. If, as long as you continue to make it, you know, when I, you know, when, when you want to come out publicly with, like, that, you know, it's almost like, should I, like, you don't want to feel, like, embarrassed that you went through this. But I heard something on TV when they're talking about, you know, victims of domestic violence, and it's like, why should a victim feel shame? It should be the perpetrator. Mm. So, like, why would I be embarrassed at all that I went through this? It needs to be the perpetrator that needs to feel shame and the perpetrator that feels embarrassed for what he did. But I
0: think that's just our innate nature, right?
2: It's unfortunate, but it needs to change. So, like, I don't feel embarrassed or shameful at all that I went through this. Mm. I'm going to say it and I'm going to speak my voice and I'm going to speak the truth, you know, And because as long as we stay silent, it, things won't
0: change but I think a lot of people in, in your situation they, they don't see the fact that what they will usually face from everybody else is just complete sympathy and and sort of people understanding and, and wanting to support. Like for example, oh,
2: of course, we, I got so much. Yeah. I, I, like I when oh,
0: I saw your post, we had never spoken before, but I messaged you. Yeah.
2: No, no, no. That's that's not what I'm saying. I'm I'm talking about internally. Yeah. Internally, you don't want to talk about it because you're you you don't want to put yourself out there. From the way people responded, I got so much support. But do you
0: think people don't see that? Like, did you? If 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 you were thinking back to when you were still in the relationship. Were you thinking, oh, if I speak publicly, obviously you spoke about how your family would negatively see your husband and Muslims and whatever else. <laughs> but did you?
2: Which they didn't. I have to be very clear with my family. They are very, very supportive, like the Muslim community and me as a Muslim too. Yeah. So that was just a fear. Yeah. You just, you, you but have that's just what I mean, fear. right? So
0: there's a lot of fear yeah. that we build up in our own head. And exactly. the reality is completely different.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And because it, it's not true. My family, of course, they don't they don't support him, (laughs) you know, but they support me and the Muslim community and me being Muslim, you know, so that is exactly, you, you become fearful of everything, but yeah, you're right, and so don't make, I want to make sure I, just in case I misspoke, um, when I did come out, it was nothing but support,
1: Mm.
2: nothing, so yeah, this was an internal thing for me, yeah that I was scared of
0: that's what I mean but, I, I think yeah. that's something that people who might be listening to this who might be going through something similar need to kind of understand and no, appreciate that
2: there really are people that will be out there to support you yeah
0: and um I guess finally on, on a coming back to the kind of on, on the personal side of things how do you then open yourself up to trust somebody else again
2: you know, I think healing is... Um, How do you I'm, heal? Time heals. I've cried so much. You know, I've had, shed so many tears. And it's, you know, healing, talking to people you trust, just, you know, talking to you're blue in the face about things that happened. Um, you become stronger and stronger. You know, I tell a lot of people that I'm like, look... I'm actually stronger from where I started. Like, I've not only healed, but I've become stronger. Mm. Um, I know, like, I won't, like, settle, and I won't, you know, allow that to ever happen again, you know. So, it, you know, time really does heal. And learning to love yourself is really important, you know, to know your value and your self-worth.
0: And since coming public with, with this, with your story, um, what work you mentioned that you're giving a speech, what what other work have you been doing in that area?
2: Um, I just did an interview for it, um, that, uh, that's probably going to go out in a week or two. Um, but I am going to look to support them from a financial standpoint, um, Uh, working with some domestic violence charities in the u.s so that's the extent that i've done so far
0: Mm.
2: and i hope to do more
0: and i I think i I wanted to end on a a, try and end on a bit of a positive um, or just something you know looking forward and and where we can Mm -hmm. go from here so uh, what, what do you feel as a community um can be done to to support survivors of of domestic abuse what more can be done
2: um obviously and and i want to be clear too i don't want to downgrade those that are trying to work for this cause too so obviously you know when we talk about these things we talk about the bad right (laughs) of everything that you know there really are people out there fighting for this cause um but i think we need to one like you mentioned be better equipped somehow you know to know that there needs to be you know from an organizational standpoint you know we need to be if possible funding more into mental health um Organizations and have someone therapists, you know, there to help. Um, it should not just be imams, which, although like you mentioned, is great. Um, we need to have you know therapists involved in these things. Uh, we need to have reality, you know, be a part of the conversation. You know, not just telling the you know not telling the woman to be patient and to to continue to suffer through it. Um, we need to also not judge women that are in this because unless you've been through it, you really don't know um, what it's like. You know, we're so quick to just say, why didn't she just leave? It's such a, it's actually such an insulting statement.
0: I'm um, sorry I asked earlier. Yeah, what's that? I said, I'm sorry I asked earlier. Oh, no, you didn't ask that. No, 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 you didn't ask that. <laughs> you did I was no, close. It, I was very no, close. <laughs> okay, it's okay. Clearly so not you experienced didn't ask, in, in dealing with this. Um, I was, and
2: I made clear to say that you didn't ask it. I was, <laughs> um, people don't realize, like, think about it. Like, I, as a, I, like, even with Verona, I had just started that company. How am I going to just all of a sudden, like, Pay for a house, pay for the, if, if a man is out there beating you, do you think that he's going to be a kind, respectful man and and make sure that you're properly taken care of? Probably not. Mm -hmm. I actually was very lucky in that regard that when, during that full year, he provided for me, um, because that was my condition that I would stay with him. Um, you know, we were in separate states, so I was safe, but not, but a lot of women don't have that option. Where, some, where they're just going to be provided for and, you know, making sure the children are taken care of. So a lot of times it could be financial too that they can't leave. Yeah. Um, so I think it's good to, to try to set up support systems from a financial standpoint for women trying to leave um, and also be there, you know, from a mental health standpoint and having therapists and, and taking that seriously. And then also, you know, if you are friends with somebody where you may not be a professional just be there for them, you know, as much as you can. You know, I also think people helping people in this, you know, they it, it's draining on them emotionally too. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure like I look back and think about all the people that were there I'm like, God, I, I can only imagine how much I mo- I emotionally drained them because I was constantly like, I was a mess, you know? Um, but just trying to be there for somebody, um, and not judge them in the process
0: that's really helpful actually um, well I, I think that's everything unless you, you have anything you want to add
2: no I mean I'm sure there's lot, lots more that we can talk about it And um, but you know if there's women and I know I know there are women that will hear this that are in it and to know that they you don't deserve it and you deserve better and you deserve a healthy happy peaceful home you and your children if you have children so that's I'm important to, to that. know
0: well, I, I wanted to thank you also for your time today, and and I'm I'm sorry that you you had to go through what you have, but I'm also glad that you've come out stronger, um, and and obviously you know Verona is is on the up and up, which is great to see, um, and yeah, I guess just thank you for your time, and and let's uh, it would be good to catch up again in in a few months or a few years, even just to kind of see the progress of where things are and and how things are going. Um, no, but
2: thank you for giving this attention because it's something that needs to be spoken about. So I really appreciate you and your platform and what you guys do with it.
0: Thank you. We are actually planning to do a, a, one of our mini documentaries specifically on, on domestic abuse. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe we can have an offline chat about that as well. Sure. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you
2: so much.
0: Brilliant, thanks. Well, that's all for this week. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and my chat with Lisa. Um, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast at The Muslim Vibe. As-salamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.
1: Word helps you become a halal investor in minutes. Clients from over 40 states have already started their journey with us. Here's how it works. First, we ask you eight simple questions to recommend a portfolio based on your risk profile. You then select your portfolio and simply sign up online. Your account can be approved in seconds. After you fund your account, we'll place the trades for you. All you have to do then is sit back and monitor your performance. It actually is that easy.